This next episode of Love Your City podcast contains references to sex trafficking and sexual abuse and trauma and may have some triggering effects. Your City podcast. This feels like a welcome back for us. Yes, we've both been away. Well, it's been a while as well since we sat here and recorded a podcast. Yeah, no, it um, feels good. <laughs> <laughs> could read that in multiple ways, I think, but that's okay. No. Um, it feels like uh, it, it's been a long time for us, but not maybe not that long for our listeners because they've been listening to episodes and yeah. having a good time doing so, I hope. Yes, but for people who don't know who we are, you're Sam Jackson. I'm That's Letitia right. Shelton. We're in the city of Toowoomba, in case you're listening from Japan somewhere. That's good. Because we do have an international audience. Yes, we as do. As we've been discovering. There's, a, there's at least some people from other countries who listen. Yes. Which is fantastic. Um, we're, we're a part of Movement Day Australia. In fact, this podcast is sponsored by Movement Day Australia. And if you know nothing about them, you can get on the website www.movementday.com.au and check it out. We had a conference, a national conference. Uh, gee, it was two months ago. And I was mm. about to say last month, mm. but it was back in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic time and uh, really excited seeing what God's doing across our nation, across the cities of our nation and across the world. Definitely. So, Tish, you've just got back from Washington, D.C. Um, and I know this was just a passion of yours, the, the, the reason you were there. Tell us what that was. Yes, I was going over there to go to the um, Global Summit to End Sexual Exploitation. Mm. About 700 leaders who are fighting in that space. Yeah. Um, a lot, mostly from America, but a number of other countries were represented. Mm. So um, I've been going the last few years and that's where I've picked up a lot. Uh, that's where I got the idea to start the City Free From Porn mm. campaign, which um, I think we did an episode um episode two we actually did, yes. if you want to go find out more yeah. about that but I got to speak about that at the um, summit but also I mean you just hear from the greatest speakers yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the highest fields also they had ex-pimps ex-porn stars you hear from uh, the people who've been in the industry and how it works and so just highly inspirational. Are you able to maybe uh, nail down two or three highlights or two or th- maybe better than highlights is things you've you've carried back with you from the summit to sort of implement here in Toowoomba and in Australia with your national role? Yeah, I think what these conferences do for you um, is help you realise that you're not some weird person trying to run this city free from porn campaign. I know. Um, Like sometimes when you're trying to convince people in your own city that Mm. porn's harmful, um, they look at you weird and... Mm. Whatever, but um, you're with your people over there in DC, and um, again, just hearing the research, so it, it strengthens you in your arguments, in in just your knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, and then not to mention the stories you hear of um, lives that have been impacted through porn. So you come back with a greater resolve to know we're on the right track, and I will keep going no matter what. That's excellent. Yeah, good stuff. So you are you over there and took the podcast gear with you, I and did. Uh, I'm very impressed with how you. <laughs> Uh, we're able to use it, so yes, well done. Yes. Um, but uh, more importantly, you've got some great interviews. And over the next four episodes, and we're going to release these once a week, over the next four weeks, um, you had some interviews with some remarkable 
people. Tell us about the, the interview we're about to listen to with Heidi Olson. Yeah, she was she presented. Um, she's a sex trafficking and health nurse, would you believe? Uh, so America, they certainly have a far greater sex trafficking problem mm. than we do in Australia. And I'll talk a bit more about that later. But um, so they actually have nurses set up uh, to know how to deal with um, particularly children. Mm. So I think we'll just listen to the interview and we'll come back and have a chat about it. Yeah. Well, let's listen to the interview with Heidi Olson. Well, today I'm joined by Heidi Olson. Um, she's here at the Global Summit to End Sexual Exploitation. Just heard a fantastic presentation from her on sex trafficking. Um, but Heidi, you're actually in the medical field. Tell us a bit about your role there. Yeah, so I am a sexual assault nurse examiner and I specifically take care of children, so kids 0 through 18 who have been sexually assaulted. Our nurses collect evidence off of kids' bodies. We do a thorough genital exam, look for sexually transmitted infections, uh, do a lot of safety planning with these kids, and then testify in court. Hmm. And our world intersects with human trafficking a lot, with sex trafficking victims quite frequently. And so I just kind of talked about the trends that we're seeing and really how it can be easy to miss these kids. Okay, so there's sex trafficking in the United States? Absolutely, because, it's um, happening constantly. <laughs> we identify a child who is being sexually exploited about every other week at our hospital. Wow. Okay, and you're in Kansas City. Correct. Because uh, in Australia, I think we think that uh, it's only in the Asian countries where right. you're sex trafficked because we've all the movies we've watched um, and that it would never happen in Australia, but um, it's alive and well in the Western world, isn't yes. it? Yes, it is. It's happening everywhere. Yeah, so you were really saying that um, they don't look like what we think they look like. Correct. Um, trafficked kids. What are some of the signs that you look for? Yeah, so a lot of kids physically appear normal. They may even come in with a parent to the hospital, but the trends that we're seeing is a lot of them are going to have effects to their reproductive system. So multiple sexually transmitted infections, genital trauma, a high number of sexual partners, maybe they're pregnant or have had elective or spontaneous abortions. We also are seeing they have a history of substance use, mental health disorders, hmm. um, and then sometimes they'll also come in with physical abuse. And then, of course, they are kids who are really vulnerable. So, again, they may look normal, but then when yeah. you start to assess their living situation, they may be runaways, they may be in foster care, have a history of abuse with their family. So they already have factors that are kind of setting them up to be targeted by traffickers or to be commercially exploited. Hmm. So you've actually developed a list of questions mm -hmm. um, that you ask to um, ascertain whether you can tell if a child has been yes. sex, uh, sex trafficked. Yeah, so there's yeah. a screening tool that was just mm. published in December and it about the first 10 questions ask about risk factors, like so have you ever had sex? How many partners have you had? Those types of questions. And the last few questions actually ask about exploitation. Have you ever exchanged sex for something? Um, you know, has anyone created pornography of you? Those types of things. Um, and these are specifically for children. And this screening tool really has helped us to identify kids to really get underneath the surface and assess those risk factors. Mm. There are a lot of kids who deny they're being trafficked. Yep. They screen positive on this tool and then okay. later on we find out they are being trafficked in fact. So why would a child want to deny that? You'd think they'd be wanting help desperately. Right. So a lot of these kids are being groomed by their traffickers and the traffickers are creating emotional bonds with them. So they are being brainwashed. The yep. traffickers are telling them, do not tell anyone, you can't trust authorities, you can't trust healthcare workers. So just instinctively, they are afraid to tell us or they don't want to get their trafficker in trouble. Or there are even times when they don't actually have a trafficker. It may be a kid who's engaging in what we call survival sex where they live on the streets and they're exchanging a sex for a place to stay or for food or 
to survive, essentially, and that is also considered exploitation. Hmm. So when you identify a child being trafficked, what do you, what's your next thing? So we have to report it. Yeah. Um, healthcare workers, by law, are mandated reporters, so yeah. we tell law enforcement, the FBI, because typically there's a federal um, component to this. They've probably crossed state lines or something like that. We live on a state line. And then um, we also tell Child Protective Services we want, we can, by law, take them out of that situation. So we're going to put them somewhere safe when we identify them in the hospital, whether that's a foster family with their own parents, kind of whatever that looks like, a safe home. Um, and then they're going to have a caseworker assigned to them to be able to check on them, get them into therapy, sort of start to get them the resources that they need. Yeah. It's huge, isn't it? It is huge. Yeah, <laughs> it's overwhelming <laughs> it's for sure. It's very overwhelming. Uh, and it's not just, you're just not identifying these children in the hospitals. You were telling us some stories. Right. Of, of so I've seen things I've been concerned about just in my daily life because the more I see it, the more I'm recognizing it. Just even walking through the grocery store, I called the human trafficking hotline the other day because I saw two teenage girls trying to cash a check and they couldn't, which I thought was weird. It was, you know, like eight o'clock at night. Where are your parents? They yes. walked outside and met an adult man in the parking lot. And I just thought, no, like something yes. is not right. Yeah. I have to speak up. And I think if everyone started to speak up about those things it would be huge make a big difference I've just yes. come from Las Vegas and was walking through the airport there where you just see sign big signs yes. of to look, what to look out for with trafficking right. on the back of the toilet doors yes um, and so it's good that the awareness is getting out there. I agree. I mean, do you think the average person would report it or are we no. just... No. <laughs> I think there's almost fear. It feels like, what can I do? Like, yeah. if I report it, will it make a difference? But it does. I think yeah. it's really important to speak up. And then what happens with these children eventually? So, unfortunately, a lot of them are coming from very vulnerable places already. So a lot of them are placed back into foster care. There's yeah. just such a huge lack of resources that we kind of are sticking them back into a place that's not yeah. ideal. But we don't that's have trauma-informed safe homes for every kid who's being trafficked so that's hmm. that's a hard piece of it we may identify it but there's not a great like ideal place for them to go yeah. so getting on the front foot and being preventative you know what would Absolutely it take Absolutely right what, what would it take to not even have sex trafficking so I think we have to address <laughs> demand why do yeah. people want to pay for sex in the first place because if we didn't have buyers we wouldn't have kids who are being trafficked yeah, and I think that it's a conversation that's hard to have why are people paying for sex why is it normalized why do we think it's okay what drives it mm. um, I think asking those questions is even harder than the questions about how do you identify a kid who's being trafficked yeah you're opening a can full of worms yep. there <laughs> yeah so lastly what keeps you going um, you know yeah in, in your work and what you see and um, yeah. what stops you from crumbling in a heap? <laughs> it's a great question. So I feel really passionate about this population, mm -hmm. about kids who have been sexually abused or exploited. Just in general, I feel very... I, it's an honor to be able to take care of them and say, I see you. I will yeah. stand up for you. Yeah. Um, but, of course, it is very exhausting. There's a lot of secondary trauma in this line yep. of work. And so I think for me, I've had to learn how to set boundaries. You know, I, I cannot save every kid I see. Yep. It's not my job to. You know, I can do the best I can do in that moment with them, and I can validate them in that moment. But, you know, I can't decide where they go after they leave. I can't check up. You know, there's I, – I can't be everything to everyone. So I think – making peace with that has yeah. been good yeah no well thank you so much for yeah. what you're doing and for your presentation today and just helping bring awareness um, of the issue in our cities so yeah thank you, my pleasure thanks well um that was that was hard to listen to but but also really inspiring i think i think what i'm saying there is like heidi is doing a remarkable job but the fact that a sex trafficking 
health nurse even exists as a job in our world, mm. that that really is not a good thing. In the Western world, um, absolutely. Mm. I mean, in any world, it's not good. Um, and as I was saying before, sex trafficking is a huge problem uh, mm. in the States. Mm. Um, I, we... We believe in Australia, probably at any one time, there's around a thousand women. I'm not mm. sure how many teenage girls, but I think the fact that Australia is a long way from anywhere else yeah. um, stops a lot of that, whereas uh, America's attached to Mexico uh, mm. and just a lot closer to Europe and other nations. So, But within their own nation, I mean, the trafficking of their own girls is ginormous. So it's a big problem, mm. but uh, we have similar things um, here in Australia. Mm. Uh, you think of the um, issue with sexting, uh, for instance. Um, I'm hearing of instances in schools here in Australia where boys are asking girls for nude pictures, getting them and then selling them. And so that's mm. a form of trafficking. Mm. You're making money off somebody else's body. Um, yeah. The issues that we're having in our nation with through pornography and child-on-child sexual abuse mm. now, uh, that's a huge area that's rising and doctors are having to deal with. In yeah. fact, I read an article yesterday out of a university in South Australia mm. about problem problematic sexual behavior it's actually now a um <laughs> a title for our young kids mm. um and so how do they they're identifying kids in primary school high school who are just acting out in weird ways because they've been sexually abused exposed to porn uh, part of pedophile rings that does happen in australia mm. and so we're now having to create this whole other um health sector to deal with the problematic sexual behavior so um same, same, but different. <laughs> yeah, you said in the intro, you know, you used that phrase that you know we both find quite annoying in that space. Mm-hmm. But you, the context was people at this uh, summit were fighting in that space. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a huge space. It's <laughs> and it's so it's so diverse. It's so ugly. It's so dark, mm-hmm. um, and yet so important. It's a, a black hole, and quite often at the conference it was talked about we feel like we're just hitting those guacamoles you know those things that you hit on the head yes guacamoles guacamole guacamoles you hit one and then another one pops up and uh, i don't understand the dark web but i've heard it's real and that's where a lot of this operates Mm. uh, at a high level and so it is one huge black hole Mm. Um, but if we're going to love our cities and make a difference we need to engage in these areas uh, you s- in, in the interview there, you said to Heidi about, you know, people not really coming to terms with the fact that this stuff happens in their city. I wonder if you could maybe land this right home for us, like um, in our own city. And mm. therefore, if it can happen in our city, it can happen in any city mm-hmm. in Australia. What are some of the things you've been uh, become aware of in our own yeah. city? Uh, I was thinking of a young girl I helped for many years here in Toowoomba. And I might have even mentioned this in a previous episode, but... Um, Always sticks with me. She um, sexually abused, you know, exposed to that as a child. But uh, when she was 16, she went to a friend's place for a sleepover and it was Mm. just the friend and the dad and the dad was drunk. And so she raped, he raped this girl um, that I'd been discipling and looking after for years. And she went downhill, dropped out of school. Mm. Um, I mean, we were trying to do all we could to help her. But meanwhile, she met a guy from the Gold Coast on the internet who um, was looking for vulnerable mm. young women and uh, ended up moving down with him and was stuck in an abusive relationship for the next six years. Mm. She actually managed to get away from him for a weekend and she came up to see me um, and gave me her phone. And I had 153 missed calls from this man in two days. Wow. 
So, and this is another big thing with sex trafficking. People say, why don't you just run away from him? Yeah. Um, but what they do to you mentally, mm. and, and she ended up returning to him because mm. it's, this, it's this sick relationship yeah. where the guy has power of you. Mm. Good to say now that she's out of it and uh, doing well living in Brisbane, but um, that's just one of the many stories. Wow. So, yes, wow. uh, there's predators yeah. out there after it, particularly our young people. Just this is so. Um, this is the nuts and bolts of of the, the stuff of Movement Day. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to the two years ago that the theme of Movement Day was mm. lament mm. and and how painful that was for, for everyone who was there, and yet so memorable and so um, uh, so life changing actually. But then this year's was Beauty Will Save the World, and I'm just uh, right now hearing that even just hearing that story, I'm struggling to connect these two. Like, how do you move? from lament to beauty mm. when you think of these stories and you think of some of the stuff that Heidi has to deal with and some of the stuff you deal with through what you do and some of the other stuff that our listeners do. How do you connect those two? I'm, I'm not necessarily looking for an answer. I'm just sort of putting it out there. What do you do with that? God, help us. Mm. Uh, look, who the church is and our relationships and what we have to offer is so beautiful mm. and that's why we need to release it into the darkness of our cities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because yeah. it will be attractive. Tisha, I love doing this podcast. I love doing this podcast with you, but this episode has been difficult, um, but it's so important and it's so important for us to be to have our eyes open to the darkness in our cities and the pain of our cities and the reality of what people are facing on a daily basis. If we really want to see city transformation, it's not all sunshine and lollipops. Mm. Mm. There, is, there is some real struggles to, to address. So I want to commend you for the work you do in our city and uh, the passion you carry. Uh, but also really encourage those who listen to this and, and who, who think about their own city to, to pray a really courageous prayer mm. that God would start to open their eyes to the to the, the darkness in their city. Yeah. So um awesome. Thank you. You're welcome.